This podcast is brought to you by John Brandt, the author of a new book entitled Nincompoopery, Why Your Customers Hate You and How to Fix It. Please listen to podcast number 744, where John and Greg speak about how, in business, we became such nincompoops. In this informative and humorous discussion, John covers how he's leveraged research across thousands of companies to show leaders how to find and kill the corporate stupidity that drives customers crazy. He also offers concrete examples of how any organization, large or small, and regardless of industry, can innovate in ways that delight customers and attract top-level talent. Learn about the hundreds of companies John has worked with to help them outwit competitors as he shares his unique blueprint for success. Please listen to podcast number 744 with author John Brand about his new book, Nincompoopery. You can also learn more about John by visiting www.johnrbrandt.com. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to Inside Personal Growth. This is Greg Voison, the host of Inside Personal Growth. And joining us from Texas is May McCarthy. And May was on our show, I don't know exactly when it was, but for her book called The Path to Wealth. Uh, Good day to you, May. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing just great, Greg. Thanks for having me. Well, it's good to have you back on Inside Personal Growth. I think you're a podcast 552, and we'll put a link to that into the blog. And she owns a company called Bazults. And this new book we're going to be talking to her about is called The Gratitude Formula, a seven-step success system to create the life that you love. Um, May, I'm going to let our listeners know a little bit about you. And for you who want to go and find out more, we'll put a link in the blog uh, to her website, but it's B-I-Z-Z-U-L-T-Z.com. That's B-I-Z-Z-U-L-T-Z.com, Accelerating Business Results. And May has co-founded and grown seven successful companies in a variety of industries, as large as 250 employees with over $100 million in annual revenue. Uh, she credits her successes to the spiritual principles that are founded in the book that we're going to be talking about. And now decades of her life, she's been sharing these principles with other. You can also find her at www.maymccarthy.com. Well, May, it's always good having you on the show. And, you know, this book, like your other book, is really trying to tell people or let people know about you know, we last time we were on, we talked about intuition and the power of intuition. And I remember that. And your gratitude formula as well, and these seven success principles so is important. But if you would, let's talk about intuition for a second. Where do you believe that it's derived from? And why is it important for business people in particular to actually follow their intuition and listen to it and figure out how to hone in on it? I I think, first of all, everybody has this power of intuition. It's not reserved for only a few, although the people that tend to be most successful in whatever it is that they're doing tend to crow about it. For instance, Bill Gates, Steve Jobs, Oprah Winfrey, Albert Einstein, Thomas Edison, and the list goes on that they say that they actually rely on intuition as a tool for success. And Steve Jobs went one one step further when he said that you actually had to have courage to follow 
your heart and intuition. And mm-hmm. and I have to agree, intuition, I, you know, I'll, I'll throw it in the spiritual realm only because you can't see it. But but everyone has experienced a gut instinct or a, a nudge or a strong thought or idea that just flies into your head to go somewhere, to contact someone, to do something. The challenge, according to Albert Einstein, is that often what we do is we put so much credence on data and our rational mind. He said that we all have an intuitive mind and we have a rational mind. The intuitive mind is a gift and the rational mind is a servant. But in our society, we tend to really value data. So when we have a question about anything, if we get an intuitive hit, a strong thought to maybe go across town to a different store or to call someone you haven't talked to in 15 years, Our rational mind will jump right on that and try and talk us out of it if it doesn't understand what the outcome is going to be. So when we're developing intuition to be more noticeable and to be more useful to us, we have to develop a little bit of courage to be able to just take action and quiet that rational mind. Yeah, and it is... It is a way of discerning, and all of my listeners know that I I wrote a book last year called uh, Hacking the Gap, A Journey from Intuition to Innovation and Beyond. And what you said about the the statement is so true. There's this discernment, though. You have to learn how to listen to it. You have to learn how to fine-tune it. It's like fine-tuning into that radio channel that sometimes the frequency isn't always there. And then, like you say, you have to trust in it. You really have to learn to trust in it and go with it. And I think that requires people, as you talk about in this book, um, working on their spiritual practice. And that spiritual practice, um, in in your estimation, there is this whole gratitude concept. And you mentioned in the introduction that gratitude has lots of benefits. And, and I believe so, because I'm following and tracking along with everything you do. You talk about the health benefits, helps people make more be more successful and the research backs up to your findings what would you advise to the listeners that are out there today uh, about practicing gratitude um, and we'll talk about your CSO in a minute but just the practice of gratitude in general well in a very simple statement gratitude tends to magnetize and multiply whatever you're putting gratitude on. So when you're being grateful for something, it tends to get bigger. It tends to magnetize you to receive even more of that. You start to notice it. And gratitude is a choice. And this is something that when I'm teaching workshops around the world and and at speaking events, people will often say to me that they don't feel grateful. So why should they say that they're grateful and grateful being grateful is not a feeling it's a choice and what it's happening is it can certainly uh, provoke you to feel a different way but it's a choice and it's a tool for success so as you start to proclaim gratitude statements about anything your heart rate starts to slow down you start to calm down you start to notice whatever you're grateful for getting bigger or more meaningful or even multiplying in volume. And an interesting thing happens when you are 
more calm, you tend to notice those small, still voices of intuition, those little intuitive nudges. You can't notice them when you're turbulent, but you can notice them very, very uh, more frequently when you're in a calmer state. So I use gratitude um, not only for all those health benefits and sleeping better and and um, um, even uh, helping with people having more um, passion for whatever it is that their goals are in their lives. But it also helps you to be calm, which is the state that you need to be in to really maximize your noticing intuitive hits that will lead you to whatever you're putting your attention on. And I so agree with that. And it, <clears throat> and it is important. Now, you tell a story in the book uh, about a study that physician Rex Gardner did about a patient with a disease that could have been fatal. fatal. And you speak about the, the benefits of distance healing. And I started a nonprofit called Compassionate Communications, where we did just that. Um, we had people reach out, and Hallmark was our partner, and send people with life-threatening illnesses notes of inspiration and encouragement. And they didn't know where they were coming from. And all the studies indicate this. If you look at uh, some of the famous doctors that have set this up, people actually would heal. Can you tell that story to our listeners and uh, why it's so important? Oh, boy. I have so many stories in there. I'm going to have to uh, revisit that. I'm so sorry I don't have that in front of me. Um, but I do, in terms of distance healing, um, distance healing there there's a there's a power that we have access to in this universe that connects all of us i believe that and i believe that since we're all part of energy we can direct energy and our words are very very powerful so if i am focusing every single day and this is the power of small groups as well um, if i'm focusing every single day on healing on not just the act of healing, but seeing someone as whole and complete, moving through life easily with grace. Even if they're in a hospital bed, my, my activating the energy around them and even letting them know anonymously that I'm praying for them helps their faith increase, helps shift their physiological cells into receiving good healing. Our bodies are incredibly healthy. They're incredibly healthy by nature. And when something that is unlike perfect health comes in, the body knows how to heal that. But oftentimes our fears, our doubts, and maybe even some of the care that we get from westernized medicine actually prevents our bodies from doing what they know how to do best, which is intelligent healing. So when someone feels or receives that note that you sent, even if it's anonymously, and, and they know that there are other people out there knowing that they are perfectly healed, they start to believe, wow, it's possible. In my book, The Gratitude Formula, I also let people know when you're in a state like that, go read stories about other people experiencing the kind of success that you want. If you want perfect health and you're experiencing some sort of ailment or disease, read stories about other people becoming healthy even though they were diagnosed with the same thing. 
what that will do is shift your beliefs into possibility. Once that happens, then healing can take place in a much greater way. When we don't believe something is possible, we actually prevent that intelligence from operating the way that it should. And I apologize, yeah, I don't have all the details of Rex okay. Gardner's you, study right here you, in front of me. You, you speak about beliefs in the book, but I, I do want to talk about this um, CSO that you've coined. You you had this back when we did the last interview, and you call it the chief spiritual officer that you meet with. And you mentioned that when you use gratitude and the daily success principles that we're talking about here in the book in the partnership with your CSO, so we are all our own CSOs, you begin to receive direction through intuition, the signs, the messages from others. How do you help people tap into this CSO? Because for some of our listeners, it's not going to be an issue. They understand that uh, they're being guided and directed. And for others, it's a matter of them making a mindful and intentional choice that they need to do that and listen to this CSO. When did you start this practice and how's it helped you? Oh my gosh. I don't even remember the exact time that I started it. I know I started using gratitude statements to describe what I wanted, but I would, I would describe it as though it was already complete. And I started doing that when I was about 19 years old. And um, then I, I knew that when I would get a strong thought or a gut instinct to go somewhere to do something, some sort of lead, what I call a lead or an intuitive hit to do something, when I would take action and I would achieve my goal and turn around and look at the path that I was led on and kind of shake my head and giggle thinking, I would never have rationally thought that I should do that in order to achieve my goal. I knew that there was a source of that intuitive guidance. And I'm not, the reason I I call it the CSO is just because as a business owner, I surround myself with people whose advice I value. I have a C-suite. I have a chief financial officer, a chief operating officer, a chief marketing officer, a chief information officer. These are all subject matter experts who know so much more than I do about their area of expertise. And collectively, they give me advice so that our company can run optimally and we can achieve our mission and our goals. So I knew that there was a source for this intelligence that I and many other successful people rely on. So I just decided to bring it into my business and I gave it a title. I called it the Chief Spiritual Officer. And uh, I actually put the CSO at the top of my organizational chart so that I, as the CEO, reported to it. And, of course, my employees were like, who in the world is the CSO? You know, is it a man? Is it a woman? Do we get to meet them? And um, what I told them was that it was a guiding principle, that if they were in any situation ever in our company that seemed to be stressful or a customer was upset or they ran into a roadblock trying to figure out a solution for a problem, they just needed to get quiet and start stating gratitude that the perfect solution or the perfect outcome that they wanted would happen. Not how they would get there, but that they already got there. And when they did that, 
they would get innovative, creative ideas or something would show up that would present itself as a solution or the problem would dissolve entirely and there was no solution that was required. And this happened over and over and over again. And what they would tell me is they'd text me, they'd call me, they'd email me and say, oh my gosh, the CSO just just gave me this idea or this happened and I didn't even have a problem anymore. It was probably the CSO. So it was a principle that there's a source for intelligence, a source for solution. If we stay focused with a heart of gratitude on what the outcome is that we want in any situation, not how to get there, but that we're already there. Yeah, and it comes in many different ways. As you've said, it comes in signs and symbols if you're open and you're listening or things you see. Um, birds, uh, it's in nature. Messages it's, it's through everywhere. other people. Yep, there's there's all kinds of things. But you have to be tuned into the fine points to actually pick that up and understand that and then have the discernment and be willing, as you said, Steve Jobs said, the courage to act on that. You know, what was it? Um, and I believe those are so important. Now, you have some practices. You have some evening practices, daytime practices, and morning practices. And you talk about a 30-minute morning practice in the book that has four steps. What are those steps for the listeners? And why does this practice, in your estimation, help to set the tone for the day? Because I think everybody wakes up and I wouldn't say everybody has a routine. I particularly do, you know, it's going down and doing yoga four times a week and doing a spin class and coming home. I've got a pretty much a set routine. And I think most good CEOs do have set routines for themselves. Um, what's this 30 morning practice and why do you think it would be good for people to maybe adjust their practice to put some of this into it? Well, I'm, I'm a big believer that whatever you put into your brain, the very first thing in the morning sets the tone for your day. And if you don't program your subconscious yourself first thing in the morning, then somebody else gets to do it for you. So if you're one of those people that wakes up and immediately looks at social media, turns on the news, reads the newspaper, then you're allowing all of those creators of that information to tell you and to program in your brain that this is the most important thing. So you'll go through your day noticing more evidence of whatever you programmed into your brain. What I believe is incredibly powerful is for people to program into their brain, to prime their brain for success with their ideas of what success is. So I ask people to set aside about 25 to 30 minutes and do four things. Number one, read something for five to 10 minutes that's inspirational, that, that, that tells you that what other people have achieved is possible for you. Something that puts you into that frame of mind that says, I can do it. These stories, like that, that study um, from the doctor that you just mentioned, if somebody's physically ill or if somebody's doubting the power of prayer, um, and collective consciousness, that would be a great story for them to read. Or if you are um, uh, wanting to succeed in business, read a story about other people succeeding. As you start to believe if they can do it, I can do it, 
that inspires you and shifts your beliefs. So five to 10 minutes reading something that's inspirational and puts you into a receptive mood. The second thing is to write out a gratitude letter. Now I, I choose to call that source of intuition CSO, but people can call it anything that they want. One of the people in my workshop called it soy, S-O-I, and I said, what's that? He said, source of intuition. <laughs> okay. So write out a gratitude letter and, and just to this soy, to this source of intuition, and start proclaiming gratitude for what you have that you appreciate. So happy for my family. I'm so grateful for my my two cats. You know, I'm so grateful for my beautiful home. Things that you have that you're grateful for. And then also write out gratitude statements for the things that you want. But here's the key. And I try and really expand on this in the gratitude formula. Choosing your words is so important in this practice. So you wouldn't say something like, I, I want to lose 10 pounds or I want to get out of debt because those kinds of statements actually keep you in a state that you don't want to be in. If the goal is to be wanting to lose or wanting to get out of debt, then you'll always be in that state of wanting. And so you need to rephrase that, reframe it as with gratitude as, I'm so grateful that I'm physically fit, trim, toned, energetic, and a healthy, pain-free body that easily moves through life. Or I'm so grateful that I'm financially free and I'm able to be a great steward of all of the resources to easily pay for all of my living, giving, and entertainment expenses and more. I love my financially free life. So writing out that those gratitude statements and then releasing it and signing off, love, you know, and putting your name. The third step should take about five minutes. That second step of writing takes about 10 minutes. The third step is to speak. Use your spoken word and speak that letter you just wrote out loud. That will anchor the meaning more fully within you and your subconscious and intuition will be on high alert all day long because they want you to operate in integrity. And if you've just spoken and proclaimed that these things are so, then they're going to do whatever they possibly can in order to make those statements true. So they're actually going to help and enable you to notice more possible steps that you can take to achieve your goals. And then finally, for the last five minutes, pick one of your goals and close your eyes and play a movie of yourself in the completed outcome of that goal. If it's uh, for something that's tangible, like a house or a car, see yourself in that beautiful home with your family and your friends. See yourself driving in that car. If it's harmonious relationships with your teammates at work, see yourself sitting around a conference table and everybody's in agreement and you're working together for your company mission and, and uh, serving your customers in valuable and superior ways. If it's personal relationships with your family, if it's uh, finances, if it's use of your skills and talents, whatever your goals are, see yourself in one of those, a different one every day, and play the movie of you already achieving the outcome that you want. Those are the four steps. And as you do that, 
you'll be priming your brain for success and will notice more possibilities to make those statements true all day long. Well, you know, you've actually put them out there very eloquently for people. And again, we're going to put a link to the book, but the book is a very simple read. I want to let my listeners know. And all of these practices that uh, May is talking about are in the book. Um, I found it such an easy book to read. Um, and it is a very easy formula to follow. So, you know, this gratitude formula with the seven steps, not difficult. Now, you mentioned well, that achieve. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say the reason I wrote the gratitude formula, and I did have to revisit the seven steps from the path to wealth. Right. But the gratitude formula, step one, is that daily practice. Yes, that, but there that, are six other steps that you should take. And the reason I wrote the gratitude formula is because in the path to wealth, I had thousands of people contact me and say, oh, this is so wonderful. You know, I've been able to achieve my goals. I've been able to have such great success. I love my life. But then I dig a little deeper and find that they were able to achieve the goals that they thought were possible. Right, right. But they would give up on the goals that they didn't think were possible. They may have had some strong beliefs and behaviors that have been created over their lifetime from a very young age that just were automatic. And those strong beliefs and behaviors that are tied to these neural pathways in their brain were very strong and very deeply grooved in their mind. And so even unconsciously, they just believed it wasn't possible. So they'd give up on those goals. And I wanted people to know how powerful they were. And that we can easily shift beliefs with repetition and making what we want familiar and welcome. And that's simply by reading stories and meeting people that have achieved what you want. That will well, help you, to strengthen a different neural pathway and a different yeah. belief. You state in the book that achieving goals is not difficult, but that deciding what goals you want to achieve is challenging. And you call these yeah. powerful goals. <laughs> Excuse me, powerful goals. What advice do you have for people that want to set what we would call uh, big, hairy, audacious goals? It's a it's a very mm, large I love goal. those. It's BHAGs. Yeah, BHAGs <laughs> that we talk about in business all the time. So what advice would you give our listeners today who are saying, well, I've reached a lot of these goals, but I've got some really big ones and I'd like to step out to do that? Right. Well, first of all, the, the belief is important because if your mental equivalent your belief system says that you can stand this much amount of good. But your big, hairy, audacious goal is significantly higher or bigger than that. Then I don't doubt that you'll achieve it. It just may take more time. Now, in order to, to speed that up a bit, you need to work on your belief system. And one of the things that we can do is, like I said, making what you want familiar and welcome. Go to places to meet people who have achieved what you want. Read their stories. You'll find that when you read stories about Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos, and so many other successful people, if, if that's one of your goals is to be in that, in that success category, then read their stories. I mean, they started their businesses just exactly the same way that I did, but perhaps even the same way that you did, Greg, where, you know, we took a, a portion of our garage or a portion of our um, – uh, fourth bedroom in the house or third bedroom in the house and and we worked we were we held every job we were sales we were marketing we were the janitor we we did everything we used simple programs like quickbooks and 
I mean, we did, we did everything until we could grow. So as you start to read stories, if, if they want to be an author, I mean, if you look at somebody like um, in my genre, Eckhart Tolle, for instance, I mean, huge, huge successful author. But look at his story. He started out sitting on a bench in Vancouver just talking about what he believed. So yeah. when you start to realize that other people are just like you and that if they can succeed, you can succeed, that helps to shift your beliefs. And once your beliefs shift, then all of those intuitive messages that will guide you to achieving those big, hairy, audacious goals will show up in floods. So that's my advice. Well, it's your um, beliefs are so important. Um, we used to have a, a, a saying in um, our spiritual psychology master's course that I took. You don't have to believe everything you think. And I loved that statement. I've said it so many times because the mind will think something, but that doesn't mean that it's the right thing and you don't have yeah. to believe it. Um, and, and let's kind of wrap our interview up here around purpose because purpose is something that's talked about prolifically today, everywhere. Everybody's talking about purpose, but I, I think that people... Um, sometimes misunderstand it. And you state that your purpose is to elevate prosperity and freedom for all. So that is May's purpose. What advice would you have for the listeners about developing their purpose, um, the how, the why, and the importance of it as far as you're concerned as the guiding light? Okay. I love this topic. Um, purpose is simply the why that you exist. Why am I here? Why am I here to do what I do? Why do I exist? It's the thing that fuels your passion. And in companies, purpose can also, if the company has a purpose, which is different than what they do, it tends to lead them, if they can get buy-in from their employees and all of their stakeholders, it tends to lead them to become more profitable. So to determine personal purpose, I ask people to set aside about two weeks and take a, um, just a legal pad and write three questions on that legal pad. The first question is, what did I used to do when I was a kid and I lost hours and hours having fun? And the reason I say take two weeks is because you're going to think about this over two weeks. And the moment you get an idea, write something down. Write something down. So give yourself some time to be able to write down lots of different things. I have a friend of mine, his name is Steve, and he used to love to take apart electronics, you know, any small appliances and telephones and all sorts of stuff. He loved taking that stuff apart when he was a kid and putting it back together. And then later job shadowing all of the vendors that would come over to do plumbing and painting and stuff like that. He just loved doing that. And then later in high school, he was able to do a lot of those things on his own for his folks and got tons of praise for it. They saved money. So he loved to do that. So what did you do when you were a kid where you lost hours and hours having fun? The second question is, what have other people told you that you're good at doing? My friend Susan is one of those people who is always told that she is a great listener and great champion. People come to her with all of their problems and their challenges and stuff like that. And she just asks a few questions and she loves them and is, you know, supporting them and, and uh, helps them reveal their own truth. 
And then the third question is, what do you think you're good at doing and what do you love to do? When you answer those questions, there's going to be some common phrase or or some word choices that stick out that are common to all three answers. Write those down separately. Anywhere that you see a common theme or a common word or phrase, pull those out and write them down separately. And from that, you'll start to see something that is that, that gives you a hint of your purpose. For my friend Steve, he determined that his purpose, he's now a um, a guy who, actually I know two Steves, one's a CIO and one's a plumber, but he owns a plumbing business. And his purpose is to use his skills and talents to help solve problems and make other people's lives easier. That's it. That makes Mine, sense. when I, I discovered it at 12 years old, and it was to bless others and help them be successful and to be blessed and be successful myself. <laughs> Well, I, like I think it, I think it's uh, mine is I exist to serve to inspire passion. And I think the key to that one is for me is I find so many people that don't have clarity. So passion to me, if you take it biblically, is moving from pain, pain and suffering to joy and happiness. And I think the road there is finding a clear path, which is what we've been talking right. about. And I think right. through all and part these, of passion, part yeah. of a purpose is, you know, a lot of people will get hung up on what they do, maybe mm-hmm. what they do for a living or what their role is in life, and they think that their purpose is what they do. And that's not it. Purpose is why yeah. you're here to right. do what you do. It's the driving force behind everything that you do, right? Absolutely. So if you walked out every day and you said that's what you had accomplished during the day, you would feel really good about yourself. And mm-hmm. I think and then that- your business. Yeah. Your business should have a purpose as well. Like you mentioned what my business as an author is, is to elevate prosperity and freedom for all and to be prosperous and free. <laughs> you right. know, there's, there's a, another side to that. So uh, every company should also have a purpose statement. So if you're a CEO, be sure to work on that. Why do you exist? In our last company, what we did was develop software and equipment for large hospital systems to automate their drug distribution processes. But why did we do it? The why that every one of our employees, our vendors, our customers, everybody knew our purpose was to save lives. Mm-hmm. Why did we do it? To save lives. There were 100,000 people dying every year in hospitals because they were given the wrong medications. And because of our technology, we were able to make sure a barcode was on every drug that could be validated at the bedside. It's, we, uh... Our purpose was to save lives. And, and again, every company that has that purpose, you know, you go back to looking at the things that Steve Jobs did and Bill Gates and all of the, the many that have grown just huge, huge, huge companies, you always see the why behind it. I think originally for Microsoft, it was to put a computer on every desk, you know, and it's, it has changed. They've, they've changed their mission and their purpose statement since then. But the reality was, is, um, you know, all of these companies have had a driving force behind them, especially Apple, um, Amazon, all of them. And I think your personal, go ahead. Because you you mentioned Bill, um, Microsoft and Bill Gates, you know, when you look at his life, his purpose is 
to provide access to information so that people can improve their lives. Right. And right. access to information means, you know, his company had a, a very similar purpose. When you're the CEO and founder of a company, the the company tends to have something that's in alignment with your purpose because it's your vision and culture that you're creating for that. So it's it's no wonder that they had this idea of a computer in every home or yeah. on every desk. Yeah, uh, because I, that's access to information to improve lives. And hopefully, I didn't mix that up with Apple, but but the point was, is no, that, Apple is all about. I mean, you you've read that book, Start with Why. Yes, 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 it's yes. An excellent book. He's but he on, really goes into Apple, and they're actually. they're just all about you know being um, non-conforming and rebel, you know, be, doing something different. Yeah, Simon Sinek has uh, been on the show a couple of times, and and. Uh, his podcast listens get a lot of listens too. So my listeners know that it's out there. That's for certain. Like yeah, twenty five to thirty thousand downloads from just his his podcast with me. Um, so, well, this book in particular may does give our listeners a formula. Okay, it's the gratitude formula and the seven steps for success, kind of all blended into one book to create the life yeah. that you want. And this morning, we've been speaking with Mae McCarthy. She's the author of both of those books. I'd encourage you. Uh, you can find her at www.maymccarthy.com, or you can go to www.bizzultz.com. You can reach her there. There you'll find a gratitude 50 code that allows you 50% off of all the items in her store, as well as there are videos, her blog, her media uh, uh, and you can contact her through there. Um, May, it's been a pleasure having you on Inside Personal Growth and spending some time with our listeners talking about your formulas uh, for success as well as the gratitude formula. It's really been beneficial, and I hope that all my listeners take something away from there. We'll put the links to her LinkedIn page, Twitter, and Facebook as well. Um, May, any parting words for our listeners before we sign off? Just to remember how powerful you are. You learned how to ride a bike, drive a car, read, type on that crazy keyboard that's not even in alphabetical order. And you did that because of repetition and practice and because you made what you wanted familiar and welcome by seeing other people do this exact same thing. So you're powerful and you can achieve whatever you want. Well, thanks so much for uh, your words of wisdom, and I look forward to having you on Inside Personal Growth again. Thanks, May. Thank you, Greg. 